Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. With more and more content available, it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time. There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where we discuss and review recently forgotten or overlooked films that are now available to stream at home. 
Today is July 6, 2021, and Landline is available on Amazon Prime. There are a couple landlines, though. We should talk about that. Oh, there yes. are, there, there's a landline from 2020. There's a landline from, the, and then there's two landlines from 2017. And what I needed to kind of key into the one that we're going to talk about today is Jenny Slate. Yes, Jenny Slate. That'll be She's the, the headliner. The headliner, yeah. you see that, then this is the correct landline for you. Landline had its worldwide premiere at the Sundance Film Festival on January 20th, 2017, and was snatched up by Amazon Studios and released into theaters later that summer. Uh, during its domestic summer run, and I say domestic summer run because it was only released here in the United yeah. States. Okay. Uh, it ran through September 28th and pulled in almost $1 million. Small hmm. run, started in four theaters, yeah. went up to around 140 or so. Uh, but as with other films distributed by Amazon that we have discussed, it is not available on physical media. So you can't, you know, go out and buy this on Blu-ray or DVD. The only sure. way to see this is on Amazon. If you've got Amazon Prime, you can, you know, it's free as part of that package or you can purchase it digitally through Amazon. The other folks, too, I think you can actually purchase it on Vudu and and those things. There are other oh, places to okay. purchase it, but you purchase can only it. stream or, you know, stream it on Amazon. Allie, I revised the Michigan app. Do you want to talk through the comments with me? Not really, because I don't want to go there. You need to cast a wide net. Allie doesn't want to go anywhere unless everybody wears berets and they all smoke clove cigarettes and they all make their own hummus, but they eat it out of Frisbees. What did you do today? Crack. Has anyone spoken to Dana this week? Uh, uh, Can I pick a date? Not yet. I was hoping the dress would sort of get her excited. What is that? Engagement ring. You finally did it. Yeah, it's nice. It's very good. It's good. I'm reading Hammaker Schlemmer. They're advertising the world's fastest razor blade. It's very totally good. She went out again last night. I saw her pile of clothes when I took out the trash. Detective Pat. Is he your boyfriend? Not really. Well, look at us having sister time. This film begins by telling us that it is Labor Day weekend 1995. What were you doing in 1995, JJ? 1995 Labor Day weekend. That is going to be the I'm on my way to my sophomore year of college at the University of Colorado. And I went home. It was, you know, kind of the, the way that I'm connected to the next reel and everything is through this group of, of guys that I sang with in college. Pete and I were in a singing group and this sort of thing. And I went home from my freshman summer thinking that nothing was going to happen and I could just go away. And I just missed it so much that I never went home again in college because these are all my closest friends, Tommy Handsome, Pete, right? You know, all these people. Like, so I went back and Labor Day would be just me turning around in 1995, headed back and reuniting with all my closest friends in, in Colorado. Oh, wow. Okay. So you have a real deep sort of emotional connection to this. For sure. Yeah. This, yeah. this time frame. Okay. Yeah. That's for me in 1995. I'm in grad school and my wife and I have been married for two years and we're living out in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. So okay. sort of, I'd say, it, you know, sort of relating to, uh, you know, you know, that character in the, in the film, you know, played by Jenny Slate in terms of that adult, you know, early adult. Yeah. You know, phase of life. I not have any relationship to what's going on in her life in this film or New York or anything. <laughs> but I was just trying to like, right. which of these characters do I connect to? It's 1995, and it's funny because my wife was watching sort sort of out of the corner of her eye, and at one point a song comes on. And she goes, "This is a really old song." I said, "It's set in 1995." You know, yeah. she missed it at the beginning because it says right there. But there's nothing else that really explicitly nobody talks about the year or anything like that. But 
It could be set today. I mean, honestly, there's really nothing that makes it a period piece other than the title and the fact that everyone's using landline phones in yes. in the film. But other and and that in particular too was something that I was actually a little frustrated with because I didn't think that really had anything to do with the movie at all. Maybe I missed it. Maybe there was a symbol there, or maybe there was something necessary about the landline. But I don't know why they named it that, and it really felt like a prop most of the time to what was yes, going on. There's nothing that is essential in any of the plot or storyline that has to do with a landline phone, other than yes, that name is associated with you know we're pre-cell phones that's that's about it but it it doesn't really tell me anything it's one of those well it's a title it could have been anything and i think that's one of the the challenges with the story is you could say well what's it what's it about and i that's where i would say in the 90s okay 1995 if you were to walk into a video store where would you expect a movie like this to be on the shelf if you were just browsing you would see landline in what category and what would you see around it it's a it's a great question, and I I struggled with it because I felt like it was really trying to be a couple different things. I think it um it was really trying to be clever, it, it, funny in a clever way. Let me say it that way. Um, in a in a lot of parts, and there were times when I wasn't sure if I was supposed to laugh or not. Where I thought I thought, oh, that's kind of funny, and but I but I couldn't really get into the laughter with it because it's it's the dramedy aspects of Mm -hmm. the real drama, the heavy drama stuff was really intense for me. So Mm -hmm. I would expect it to be on the drama shelves. I would expect it to be around something like Parenthood, like the original Parenthood film, um, where you have this. But Parenthood, I think, is a a, a far more known, far more superior film in terms of both delivering the comedy and delivering the drama um, and, and insightful in a completely different way. But I would expect this to be a movie that's in around that place and really it was far more intense from the drama aspect than um, than in any of the the parts that in, seemed to be intended to be funny. In the 90s, you had the whole independent movie sort of explosion that happened. And th- sure. this this feels to me of a piece with films of, of that time in. Actually, there is a film from 1995 that for me is the epitome of this. And this mm-hmm. is from 1995, Kicking and Screaming. I think this is Noah Baumbach's first film. And it's a bunch of college guys i guess or they they've recently graduated college it's just a bunch of that 90s we're sitting around talking type of stuff and like you'll say like what really happens nothing it's it's clever dialogue and it's characters dealing with life and when you finish it you're like okay maybe i knew somebody like that character but this doesn't really this seems really personal i don't really connect with this story i guess if i lived where you lived with your friends i might really connect with this but it just seemed to be an exercise in what kind of clever things can I come up with in my dialogue? Now, I think Landline has a lot more story to it than a lot of these films in the 90s where it was just like, get a camera, sit some friends in a room and and talk. But Mm. it it feels very much of a piece of that, I think, in part due to the setting, uh, way characters are dressed, hairstyles, all that. I felt like, oh yeah, this is 90s. You get when you have a character walking into a you know a music store and there's a listening station and it's all cds <laughs> and you put the headphones on i don't know when anybody has done that within the past 20 years i'm sure i did it in that, the 90s though i'll tell you yes that. oh yeah. ex- exactly so this is where i you know i'd say in drama but maybe if they if the store had sort of one of those you know independent film section yeah of the independent 90s. film section from the 90s this would be i would say yes this would right. firmly fit in there despite being made in in 2017 it uh, felt very much a part of that era for a me. Gen X recommends 
and cap yeah. <laughs> is where this would be. <laughs> yes, yes. It, I, I would say that is the exact right place for it to be. And in doing a little bit of research into this, I'm wondering about setting, I did see that it was an intentional choice in part because of that era of the mid-90s is when our director, uh, Jillian Robespierre and Elizabeth Holm, you know, were in, you know, they're that Gen X group. So dealing with right. family, being in this age range in the 90s, so it was something that they could relate to personal experiences. So it was very rooted in that. Yeah. Uh, and it's very it. New York, too. We should mention that. This is, it, yes. The setting so, is a character in this Gen movie X as recommends well. overlap with a little Woody Allen. Yeah, there the you 90s, go. Right. There. Woody Allen. I love it. <laughs> very, very New York. Or right. I would say, oh gosh, what was it? Who was the other one? Um, the Brothers McMullen was another okay. one of those, sure. you know, 90s. And it's like rooted in a neighborhood of a, of a certain piece. So that's, yeah. that's what this really reminds me of. And I'd say if those films, appeal to you or you've got nostalgia for those i think this might be something that you would find interesting to watch i wasn't bored by this film i don't know that i'm gonna watch it again but it it kept me engaged from beginning to end i think in part due to the writing the cast the performances everything worked really well to get me from beginning to end despite the fact that at the end if you ask me what this film is really about or what's going on there's there's not much to it. And I was bored until the heavy drama stuff started happening. And and I didn't read the synopsis before I saw the movie. And I would recommend for people, based on my experience watching the film, that you do read the synopsis or listen to this entire show. I mean, we yes. we make we make a concerted <laughs> effort to not talk about spoilers until right. we want to get there. But this is one of those movies where it is the drama is heavy and it is about things that are very deep in relationships. And you should know what those things are before you go in, because I was bored until they started hitting on those. And then I oh. had to take breaks. <laughs> so um, True. so it was like, uh, yeah, I wasn't emotionally connected. It felt like a sort of loose association of stories until all of a sudden it started getting into the, the infidelity really is is yeah. is the thing that was was key to the storyline here and and then it was like oh okay this is going to be something that it's going to be it's going to be a, an emotional hook for me that i'm going to have to stick with so no i i would agree with that that the first 20 or 30 minutes or so is really giving us the characters what their life is like in a, a sense of their routine or what what's going on in their lives before we get to the crisis moment where things really ramp up right. like What's going on? What are their struggles? What are their you know questions about where they're going with their life? There's a lot of that, and it doesn't have. There's no overriding like ticking clock or or big push on that. It's just setting all the pieces in place, and it does take a little while for that. And I could see where if you're if you don't relate to these characters to this life, if you if you weren't a you know high school student or twenty something in the '90s in New York. Or you weren't a struggling writer or a professional businesswoman <laughs> aspiring to be Hillary Clinton in the yeah. 90s in New York, you may not really connect with these characters until things things get going. And then, right. yes, the, the, the drama does really kick in and the movie does really get into gear and move things along. So mm -hmm. based on, you know that you know sense of boredom and then height drama, and we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that, you know, where would you rate this movie? This is a weird one, um, you know, and I, I, I put it in here. I think it's a really good movie with um, it's really well thought out and it, it's it's really well written to address the drama that it wants to address. And I find it very um, insightful in regards to that drama. So I give it a high rating. 
um, which is I give it three stars. It, it's it's a better than average movie for me. But I had to put a not like on it because it it didn't seem to connect. There was no there there wasn't any sort of positive feeling in in it for me. I did have to take lots of breaks. It was harsh in the way that the drama was delivered, almost in a like scary way for me. Okay. Um, and so I, I ended up not liking it even though I think it's a really good movie. And if this is a subject, it, it, and again, I'll, I'll just kind of point out, if infidelity is a subject that interests you in the realm of drama and the realism in the way that infidelity affects relationships and families, this is a really good movie for that. Um, and so if that is interesting to you to see in drama, it's going to be there. But it generally is going to leave you with a sort of negative, you know, we're going to do what we can kind of feeling at the end of it. And that's something you kind of have to be prepared for, especially if you've experienced that in your life. So I gave it three stars and a not like, which is a weird thing. I don't know that I've ever done that in my rankings before. And in my flick chart, it showed up at 183 out of 260, which is definitely in the bottom half. Flick chart tells mm -hmm. me I should give it a one and a half stars. I don't feel that way about the movie, but for me, in my experience with it, that's why it ended up so low for me. What what is it sitting near there on your? Flick oh, chart? that's a good question. So it's <laughs> it it seems like completely ridiculous things that it's sitting near. It's just below it, Chapter Two, <laughs> which which again I think is a really good movie. But because scary movies are tough for me, that's probably why it's down there. I thought it Chapter Two was 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 fun but scary, so that's why it ends up that low. And then right above another trailer rewind movie, which we did, which is Jonathan. Um, oh, okay. so yeah, and it and and landline's kind of at the top of a big run of these kind of um of trailer rewind movies for us where they have some drama to them like jonathan leave no trace woman walks ahead don't think twice the congress it's this big run of okay. movies that are all uh, sort of flirting with drama in a way um that is doesn't always fully execute for me but landlines at the top of those because again i find it really insightful and i think it could it could possibly be a healing thing for people if if this is a subject that is uh, that is sort of ready to be addressed in their life. Well, I'm I'm right there with you with three stars and okay. no like, uh, because at the end of this, I when it ended, I thought, OK, yeah, I I enjoyed this experience, but I will never watch this again. I no. There's nothing to bring me back to it again. And so I have to say, I don't like it because there's nothing for me to come back to. And honestly, it was. One that I wouldn't say I would have turned it off, but I probably would have never even watched it if it hadn't been for it be, you know, for us picking it on the show. There was just nothing really to draw me into this. Right. However, I do, you know, I think the performances, uh, the story, there there was enough there to keep me watching and going along the way. But ultimately at the end, it's it's not a movie that's for me. I didn't really derive any pleasure from watching it. Uh it's 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 one if of you're these a fan things... of Jenny Slate, let me say that yeah, too. Yes. Because I didn't say yeah. that, and you're talking about the performances. Okay. If you're a fan of Jenny Slate, this you're going to see her do stuff here that you haven't been able to see her do other things. So okay. if you like her comedy, if you like the things she does, this is going to show a much more well-rounded version of Jenny Slate, and and it is to be admired, I think, and you yes. see her performance here. So that might be something for someone too. Yes, but I'm I'm not a New Yorker. This is one of one of the things that I always whether it's in films or in fiction, I just don't I'm like this is this is somebody's life. For me, movies and books often tend to be a form of escapism. So why do I want to escape into something that is just the ordinary drudgery of regular daily life? If you can yes. elevate that to, to make some statement about a theme or, or 
character or character traits in people or make some statement about or growth from it, maybe or, or growth from that. What did these yeah. people learn and grow? There may be some of that in there, but it's not enough. It wasn't redeeming enough for me. And that's Very why true. I say this just isn't for me. And so it ends up in the bottom half of my flick chart. It ends at 552 of 748. Mm-hmm. This is going to make you laugh. I've got landline right below yes. landline immediately at 553 is the goldfinch. Okay, see? Imme- immediately below that at 554, Tesla. <laughs> oh, Tesla's close to mine too. So, yeah. But it's Tesla, just... the, both those movies are better than Tesla. We need to reiterate. Yes. However, they're in There's the same loss. area. Yeah. yeah. And for me, this is, I can see some people really connecting with this movie. And I, I would say yeah. it's, that's why I give it the three stars. It's, it's well executed. All of those pieces, it's ranked so low because it's just not for me. And that, for me, that's the, the difference between giving it stars, which for me is a evaluation of its merit as a piece of art. And then for me, the ranking is much more personal, uh, subjective opinions on things, which is why, sure. yes, that because uh, it, according to my flick chart, I think it's supposed to be somewhere at like one star or something like that. And it, it is a much right. better film for that than that. But for me, it is just not that type of a, a film. Uh, however... Over on uh, Letterboxd, it has a weighted average review of 3.4. Now, that is based on just 7,348 reviews. Not a lot of people have seen that. And over at IMDb, it has a rating of 6.2, based on only 4,200 votes. Very low, too. I'm I'm surprised that more people haven't seen this because it you look at the cast. You've got Jenny Slate. You've got Edie Falco. You've got John Turturro. These are all names that I think for any reason, you would say, oh, yeah, what's John Turturro been up to? He will, I think, every time I see him in something, I'm not disappointed with his, right. with his performance in that. I so he I was think great. There, there's always something redeeming in that that makes it worth watching. Again, knowing what the subject matter, you may choose to cast that aside, and we will get to that shortly. So mm-hmm. listeners, if you think that this is your kind of film and don't want anything spoiled, this is your chance to pause the podcast and check out Landline, starring Jenny Slate on Amazon Prime. If, if we were to say this is, so my question was, if we're going to categorize this as sort of indie drama or, you know, Gen X drama, is is this a good example of that? Does it, does it do a good job of what it, it's trying to be, do you think? I don't, I, I, I don't think so. And I think that's kind of my problem with it is because I think it's trying to be funny. I think it that and, that and I mentioned that a little bit in the intro is I think that it's trying to take the really hard, sad, scary stuff about infidelity and and, and try to bring some light to it. I don't think I just think it ended up being really hard and sad and scary. <laughs> and that might be because of my personal experience, which we'll talk about, too. But but like when they tried to make light of things, they were I, I mentioned I mentioned use the word clever in the intro. They felt clever, but I just never really felt comfortable laughing because I was so in in interred in the drama mm-hmm. of what was happening with all these people that were making really difficult choices for their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so it, 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 I mean, you compare it to maybe something like, I don't know, reality bites. Like if you want to do that, yeah. right. Okay. Like, and that's yeah. even a, a, a more major release, but again, it's these sort of drama things. This, this movie doesn't really have that arc. You talk about like, you're seeing this sort of snapshot of these people's lives and it 
doesn't have the redeeming quality. You don't see the growth. But the thing about it is that makes it maybe potentially more real <laughs> than yes. than the Hollywood story. So that's right. where I, you know, I get into my ranking. I think it's a really good movie because I think it's very real. It's just really hard to like. Early on in the film, so I, I, sure. it opens with with our with our our main couple uh, <laughs> trying to pull off the stunt of let's have sex in the woods, but you know they're city folk, right? You know, and they're and awkward. She, she just, there's bugs and all that, and then you know they get back and she's got poison ivy. They think, and so then she's in the shower with her fiance, and you know he somehow convinces her that the cure for you know poison ivy is. Well, you just urinate on it. She says, no, no, that's that's for jellyfish. And he said, well, let's try it. I'm like, I don't need to be part of that conversation because it didn't give me anything, you know, maybe a little bit about their relationship. But I think there we got that in many other places. And I thought and that's why? where I felt like it was trying to be funny. Yes, it was trying, but it just came off as awkward and uncomfortable exactly. for me. Of, I don't want to see this. I don't need to see this. I know enough about these characters already. Yeah. And you may be trying to play it for laughs, but. It, it's not landing for me no. at all and just makes me cringe a little bit of, okay, yep. let's let's move on. And I think that's the, the challenge with this. And maybe again... It's either supposed to be a laugh line or an intimacy marker and it ends up right. being neither. Yes. And I feel like there's a lot of that in this film. Right. And I, I agree. And it's, there's that... It tries to balance the whole tragedy and comedy piece because they do play so close to each other. I mean, you know, Jim Carrey walking and slipping on a banana peel and falling is is hilarious uh jimmy carter walking and slipping on a banana peel is not hilarious because he's a respected figure and he's old and it's gonna he's gonna break a hip not funny right right and this seems to be trying to sometimes have it both ways of but not leaning into either side of exaggerate it and go for the laughs or rein it back a little bit and and lean into the tragedy that is at the core of these these characters lives but it right. just it treads water across the middle and doesn't go either way. And I think that's why I felt so indifferent about so many of these pieces, because it, it didn't didn't ask me to, to really get on board one way or the other. Very true. Very true. Especially from a genre pers uh, genre's perspective. It um, it doesn't it doesn't choose a lane. We've got two main relationships that take us through the story. So we've got we've got the parents, Alan, played by John Turturro and and Pat, his wife, played by Edie Falco. Uh, but then we also have uh, Dana, played by Jenny Slate, and Ben, played by uh, one of the two Duplass brothers. This one time, it's Jay. Uh, <laughs> you know, young 20, mid-20s, you know, I don't get a sure. strong sense of 20, mid-20s, you know, yeah. uh, engaged wedding around the corner. And then sort of navigating the minefield between all of them is uh, younger daughter, Allie, played by Abby Quinn, as, of course, your typical mid-90s rebellious teenager going out to to raves and clubs and sneaking out and talking back to her parents, as all rebellious children do in the movies, without right. any any severe consequences. I was thinking about your daughters the entire time when I was evaluating <laughs> her character. Not by personality, by no. any means, but just, like, but thinking about the age and the, yeah. like, like oh, what yeah. they're going through right now. I'm like, I, I was wondering how that was going to hit you going in there because that's, was, that yeah. is the age. Like, that's that, right that there. That is the age of, yes, I'm going to talk back to my parents and mm -hmm. we get the consequence of I'm going to yank the landline phone out of her wow. room because yes. that's what you could do back in the day, right? Uh, yeah, that, but the, it's really the the breakdown of the two relationships that we sure. that we see that they really drive that. But we don't get to that right away. We get all of this other 
character filler type of stuff. We get uh, Dana out and running across an old flame at a party, which is like the mo- the weirdest, like, I guess, New York 90s party with a bunch of like pre-hipsters, I guess you would call them. I, right. I don't know. Um, Somewhere between got- hippie and hipster. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a woman named Table who's taken a vow of silence. And yes, just all of those things that just feel so affected and uh, yes trying so hard and i i don't know how to ta- again maybe we were supposed it was supposed to be played for laughs because it is ridiculous but it's not it's, it's not funny you know, it's not That's funny at all yeah. it's just this is the reality of these people's worlds and this is perhaps why dana doesn't connect with with this and is drawn to uh her former flame uh, nate played by finn whitrock and they have a little sort of fling off on the side and meanwhile we've we've got uh, Allie discovering mysterious, hidden love poetry that her father has written on his Macintosh computer from the mid-90s. Right. Um, love haikus, all kinds of things that are clearly not not written to Pat. Even the discovery of that, because she's she comes home after being out at a party. She's going to work on some score. She tries to put the floppy disk in. I guess there's already one in there, and that's how she discovers... The writings of her her father but again sometimes i felt that these were either something that happened to somebody that was, was somehow involved in the production of this film or something that somebody they knew had happened to them because they just felt very specific right and very I, and real I thought, they felt very, like real life things right but so yeah yeah but just a string of real life events does not an entertaining story make. That is, that is <laughs> exactly the problem right with this yeah that's the thing about this movie it's very real but it falls at being inter- fails at being entertaining a little bit because of that. So yes, I, there were so many things that I thought I just don't know what to make of um, Allie and her boyfriend Jed sneaking off to the family's whatever country summer house, country whatever, home, yes. having sex, and the CD player skipping, and they're throwing shoes at us. Right, and I felt like Is okay, that, that's that's somebody's that happened to somebody. Right. So let's put it. There. But yeah, I didn't. Yes. Again, another moment that I felt. This is really personal and intimate, and you're trying to do something, and I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or if it's a commentary on the important life moments that people have and, and portraying them realistically with all the flaws and ugliness to it. So we're not we're not romanticizing this because no, it's two yeah. awkward teenagers. It almost feels more like yeah. a novel. Yes. Like where you're just yeah. including, you know, bits of life to give scenery yes. and anecdote. Well, As opposed a, to a film where that wasn't in service of the story at all. And it well, wasn't and, a laugh line. And it wasn't no. that what we were talking about, some sort of note of intimacy. It was just there. And so I guess that gets back to the setting in the 90s. You know, as I said, you know, writer, director, you know, that was their era. But if I pull that out. It was, it was meant to just show us that it's the 90s. There's floppy disks. There's CDs. Right, like, right. And I guess. But is is that important no is it integral to the story could we have set this in 2017 yes now i know there's always the factor of okay cell phones are always a complicating factor because then it's you know we do have the scene where dana is out and she's checking her voicemail right, right. no you know nobody's done that in forever of like people don't have to get a hold of you all the time you can check your voicemail and it's like hey are you coming to book club and you know you're missing this and that and it's like okay you can listen to those and then you can choose to ignore them or you could respond whereas with a cell phone there's that more urgent sense of i need to either you know text back or answer the call or something i think there's an expectation cell phones have created in our culture of 
people are immediately accessible. You can't just if you, so if again, you ghost somebody for half of a day, they're you know they're going to be upset. Whereas right. the nineties, nobody might know your fiance could not see you for you know a day and a half, and yeah, okay. And the, so again, like that scene, that's a good scene to bring up the telephone, the pay telephone scene. What is the purpose of that for the story other than to set us in the 90s? You, you don't really need it. It's not really telling us anything about Dana. It's not really, you know, what you can't really tell that she was trying to get a particular message. She got four messages and none right. of them were seemingly none of them were what she wanted to hear. Right. But we don't have a sense of what she wanted to hear. And then she calls in sick to work and she you right. know leaves society for two weeks. So right. um, I, I just. I think it was more about trying to set it in a time. And ultimately, right. I really do think I forgot constantly in this film that it was about the, that it was in the 90s. I just assumed yeah. it was today because well, there was nothing yeah. that really made it a time set bound piece at all. No, there was nothing specific to that era. It's dealing with very, you know, real, you know, family conflicts that can happen at any point. So there's nothing any of the conflicts that's created as a result of something that's very 90s you know because it probably yeah. happened to someone on the production in the 90s yeah. yes exactly <laughs> and, that's, and that's again where just because it happened doesn't make it a great story right. and i guess that's that's the piece that you know so a lot of that and i i get your point that you mentioned early on of the beginning of the movie can be quite boring because there is nothing really pulling all of this together we're just getting to know all of the, that the dana is the older sister who maybe getting cold feet about getting married, not sure about her place. But we don't know because she never really says anything about it because she's like the dutiful child. And then you've right. got Allie, who's the rebellious, you know, teenager that's... And okay, casual about heroin use. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stereotype, you know, troubled teen in the 90s. Okay. And then, again, th these are the things I always love when we need to give adults a, a job, uh, but we don't really need to define it. So we we briefly know that dad is like a copywriter for some like off-brand food company or whatever. It's like these, you know, knockoff Oreos or whatever. Okay, what does Pat do? I have no idea. We have one scene I in her office. I assume she was a politician. I assume, I mean. Of, of some sort, right? It yeah. seems like she's involved in city functions, but the, we see her at work. So they can, she can get a call from the school, a message from the school saying, oh, you know, Allie hasn't shown up to school today. Nothing else in her life has anything to do with work. You know, she's nope. she's home all the time. So, you know, all scrubbing, the time. Dust, dust busting the carpet or or whatever. So I thought, OK, you're you can. And this is because I'm not New York. I don't know. But if you can afford the summer home outside the city, then they've got to have a lot of money. I would think enough that she's not going to have to, like, get the dust buster to clean the car. I don't know. But I I don't know New York, and it's just one of these things where I thought, wow, they're, they ha they're really well to do. So she, yes, she must be a politician because I can't imagine he's bringing home a lot of money just writing copy for some company. Right. So clearly she, but it's not it's not a dynamic of the relationship really that much. It's not a part of the story at all. It's just well, they need to be working somehow, and we need to be able to have Allie have a place to run off to, so they need a summer home. So, okay, let's give her some vague job where she's involved in city politics in, in some right. way. And so it's, it's there's not a lot to attach yourself to in the in the right. beginning of this film as we get things set into place. But then- And I think you've said it best in that it's probably someone's experience. Yeah. And they aren't defining it more because they're leaving it vague <laughs> because that's what I experienced, but it, I, I don't want everyone to know exactly that it was me. Right, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And then we we do get 
So as we get into the infidelity piece, that's where things start to ramp up. And it it starts off, again, sort of playing it for comedy as Dana and Allie are, let's scope out dad's work office and let's see if we can identify who this woman C is. And then it's, he comes out of the office and he waves at some, someone in that direction. And there's a woman coming. And then they pass each other. And it turns out he's waving at the hot dog guy. Yeah. And I thought... Is it supposed to be funny? Is it is it height more heightened suspense because now we still don't know who the mystery woman in his life is? The the thing as we start moving into that too, you know, we have there on the the case for this, but you we've mentioned that Dana's having this affair on her fiance. Yeah. With this uh guy, old flame that she met at the party, and those scenes were really hard for me. Um yeah. because she she's dealing with a lot of complex emotions about Mm -hmm. her potential marriage and whether she wants to be there and she's not really considering everyone's involvement and then of course she's dealing with the affair of her father it was really again it feels complex and it feels very real in the way that people would experience these types of negative emotions um and that's all jenny slate and i think i think she did it really well i also think that ali played by uh quinn what's her first name uh abby quinn was I thought she was actually my favorite performance in the entire film. I, yes. I don't know her. I'm not familiar with her, but she seemed to embody the character perfectly. And this sort of ball of negativity and intelligence at the same time, being the youngest person in the household and all this stuff, I thought she was really, really strong in this film. Of all the characters, it's the performance that that kept me the most engaged of yep. of what what's she going to do. She's going to do something interesting. It's something that is probably, I guess, maybe because it's the more dramatically i don't know enhanced because i don't know that a typical teenager you know i don't know but how many kids break into a locker in gym class steal a bunch of money and then go out to buy you know some heroin for a friend i don't think that's the typical like rebellious teenager maybe in new york in the 90s it was but i thought okay (laughs) here's something different here's something where it's like what's going to happen because everything else was played so so true to life that i i didn't have concerns i i had no reason to be on the edge of my seat. But when when Dana and Allie go are out on Halloween night as the California trash raisins. bag, California raisins, and Allie says, I'm going in here. You just wait for me. And Dana's like, this neighborhood? No. And just that whole interaction with the drug dealer and all of that, get arrested by the cops. And she says, but I said no. Right. Uh, you know, Nancy Reagan would be proud, but you're still trespassing. Those right. things felt more fun at least it was something different it 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 gave me something to react to versus something to just watch play out a right? lighthearted look at yes. the heroin exchange yes of you know new yorkers in right. the 90s yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i guess you see that that's the point where this movie gets really difficult to watch because yeah y- you don't know whether you're how you're supposed to feel about that if it was more lighthearted throughout you could maybe just kind of play it off as chuckles and not really worry about the the, the character, not really worry about what's going to happen to Allie or, or them in that situation. But that's not the nature of the content of this film. It's all really heavy stuff. And the nature, when you put it on that, of that she's starting in on heroin, mm-hmm. that's yeah. a really pivotal point that she makes, yes. that her sister helps her to make the decision to say no to heroin. That's a yes. huge step yes. for them in the growth in the film. But again, it's played for laughs. So it, what do we it do? Is. There's, and there's, it is. You know, looking through all the relationships and as things shift and change, we, because we have, from the beginning, you know, it's, it's, um, Dana and 
and uh, Ben at the beginning. So we, you know, we get a little bit about them. We don't have a whole lot about Alan and Pat, although there, so there's a brief conversation. It's after the the reading of Alan's play, which apparently is based, you know, the the daughters see themselves like, oh, well, you know, he rewrote this. He put mom in a coma and, and we're sons. But basically, right. it's our family life. And they go out to the like a Benihana restaurant and and Dana has a little conversation with her dad about his relationship with Pat and all that. And the one thing that gave me just a little bit of insight of what's going on with this this dynamic is the fact that, you know, he says that, um, you know, she made him want to be better and he thought he could uh, could do that. And it led into, you know, it. You know, prior to that, you know, when they're fighting, you know, he says something about, you know, she's got to learn to fail. That's how she's going to learn. And then Pat basically says, well, you should know about that. You're the king of failure. Something oh, along those lines. So there's the, you get the sense of this dynamic Deep. of he thought he could, you know, he was aspiring to be something better. And, he, you know, this whole, you know, can you change somebody? And could he, did he have the potential to do that? Maybe not, but he thought he could. And now that he hasn't reached that, He's let himself down. He feels like he's let Pat down. You just get the sense that there's just this frustration and disappointment at the core of their relationship. And we get yeah. that, you know, sort of in bits and pieces earlier on, which at least gives me the sense that if that's the nature of the relationship and that's what the daughters have seen, then clearly, yes, I can understand why coming across the mysterious poems is, oh, yes, dad's cheating on mom because we know their relationship isn't healthy. There's they don't right. get along. There's 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 no love at the core of this relationship anymore. Right. And so it's it's one of those things that I had to be thinking about it afterwards because as I was watching it, it was just these things. But afterwards, as I put puzzle pieces together, I could say, oh, okay, I can see how this is sort of working together. I, I had to do some work on this because it just wasn't yeah. readily apparent to me because it didn't push me into emotional directions with this. Sure. I think until we get... Um, much later, which I think is probably one of the the crucial points is when we finally have a confrontation between uh, Pat and Alan about this. And it, it becomes very clear. Well, it becomes clear that Pat's known about this for a, a while because the daughters yep. have, have been wanting to say something, haven't been able to. Right. But Pat decides, you know, to to go out to a bar, you know, have a drink, you know, Talk to some creepy guy that dance with asked, an old stranger. Dance with an old stranger who asked if she's you know divorced and she says she's not and you know her one husband third. yeah one third what it's just weird and creepy but there is this moment where she comes back jumps on Alan they have sex and that's where she then confronts him basically asking you know well who's who's better and I just want to play this little this little clip here, this scene of this confrontation of the, the two of them. Why her and not me? Because she knows I'm alive, okay? She knows you're alive? Really? When was the last time you were, or anybody in this house ever even looked at me? You think I'm a failure? You said it right in front of Allie. I did what? You don't even like me anymore. Look, I married you, okay? Can we just assume that I like you? I don't have to assume with her. She tells me. Really? She tells you what? That you're so great and that she loves you? Yeah, for who I am and not some other person she wishes I could be. 
So heavy. Yes. So heavy. And that stuff, that, that really like hit me hard to watch that. Um, it, it, uh, you know, thinking about my own marriage, my own divorce that, um, I, I was unfaithful in my marriage and, uh, it was, um, a very similar situation where for years I felt like I just, I wasn't even liked. And that concept, that's where I feel the script is so insightful because that concept of I married you, let's just assume that I like you. I think that is so commonplace out in the world of troubled marriages that like once you've done it, once you've made the bond and you've made the promise, there gets to be this point where it's like, oh, nope, it's it's just we we've said it so it's enough and i think that happens to a lot of people and that's why all of the stuff leading up to that in this film was really hard for me to watch i had to take i mean i would watch five minutes and i would have to stop because i i just felt the truck coming and i you know in this sort of confession of me being unfaithful in my marriage here (laughs) i didn't do it at the time i did very much like alan at the time that whole scene was very similar to the way it happened in my life but in that confession here i felt like it was the same kind of thing. And I, I, I hated infidelity before it happened to me in this way. And I still hate it now. <laughs> I felt I feel so much shame for the way that it happened in my marriage. And I, you know, it, it, all the insightful things about the script about Dana learning that he really loves Patty, but he just doesn't feel loved by her. And this is the kind of thing I think it's just so common. And that's why I think it's really important for people to know that this is coming in this film, because it's going to feel like a train wreck, because I think this sort of this the commonality of the way that infidelity hears, happens here is not like you're going to see in a movie like Unfaithful with Diane Lane is not like these or like Closer with um, Natalie Portman and, um, and, and Jude Law and all these things. Those are all these sort of like highly romanticized, a weird word to attach to this, but romanticized way of the example of the way that infidelity happens. It happens so much more like this, so much more subtly like this. And this is, it was, it hit me so hard in this way to watch this and be like, yes, that's what it is. But it's not, it's really hard for me to like that because it is loaded up with all that shame and all that's there. So um, yeah, watching it was I was so happy that this is made, <laughs> but everyone should know that this is what's going to happen. It reminded me of a TV movie called um, Women Versus Men, which was from it's from it's it's a TV movie. It was from 2002. It has like Paul Reiser um, and, and uh, Joe Mantegna and this stuff. And what happens in Women Versus Men is that um, the the two guys, the two husbands go out to uh, to strip clubs. And at one point, the one of the wives follows them and and sees them getting lap dances and all this stuff. And then they confront him and them um, towards the end of the film. And they say in this in this scene, they say, well, we don't love these people. We don't we aren't looking for a relationship with these people. We just want the dance of what it's like to feel wanted, to be in love again. And that that's what this reminded me of. I had to go back. I couldn't even remember the title. I had to go back and like search to find out this. But it's the kind of reality about infidelity that you see in a movie like this compared to those other movies that are the big blockbuster Hollywood versions of it that I understand why those are made too. But this is very real and very rooted in the real feelings that people have about infidelity. I think it comes out in the Dana and Ben story too. And 
Um, and I, I'm again, I'm really happy that it's made. I'm really happy that I watched it, but I'm never going to watch it again no. <laughs> because it was so hard. No, and what's <laughs> what I found interesting is that. Well, I guess reflecting back at how the movie has just always sort of towed the middle ground of, OK, that confrontation, it just gets something out into the open. Mm-hmm. We, you know, what happens? Well, OK, Alan moves out and right. it's Allie's birthday and he shows up and there's they're congenial towards each other. They're a family, but he's not living at home, uh, but they are still sort of a family unit and. Will this resolve? Who knows? Doesn't matter for the story, really, at all. And that so reminded does... me of the airport scene at the end of Love Actually, when Emma um, Thompson comes back and uh, Alan Rickman, you know, they've had their split, but they're still yeah. sort of participating in their family that way. This sort of right. like professional, congenial relationship, but not any sort of family unit or loving there. Right. Exactly. And I thought that's, you know, interesting way to go that it's not like he's not outcast and expelled from the family it's you know it's okay this is how we deal with life we still have to live with each other and we can't just cut somebody out uh and so that's that's how how life will move forward and it was not satisfying ending at all but i I don't know that it sought a satisfying ending or i don't know what would have been satisfying for this movie since i there weren't any stakes really for any decision that anybody made because if ben dana split up it was like okay that's fine i you know i don't think she's gonna hook up with this guy long term it's just a side fling because she's nervous about this or that and they they talked through it and i was like okay she may end up like her parents in another you know 15 years who knows i didn't get a lot of growth out of any of the the characters at all it's we went through these events it it reminded me of about four years ago, when my father had um, had brain surgery, had brain cancer, had surgery to remove this huge tumor, and and being in the waiting room and waiting for the doctors and sitting there with my brother and and all that, we're just talking. We're like, feels like we're in this weird like mid '90s independent movie because it's not something that happens routinely or regularly, and it's right. this very surreal experience. And the only thing I can latch onto is, well, I've seen something similar to this in these movies that I can never really connect to and relate to because it's just, you know, is that how people react to that? Because there's no script or plan for how to navigate that. And so it was just, it was the most surreal feeling of like, I feel like, you know, I'm in this movie where real things happen, but it's not, it's just so bizarre. And that's the only feeling I had from this movie of. The only thing that it was missing is some innocuous mid-tempo alt-rock song on the right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's all, all it would have taken. And I'm like, I think of like, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Bart Freundlich has done a lot of movies sure. uh, like that. Uh, one that I remember, you know, back, again, I think back in the 90s, Myth of the Fingerprints. I think that was Roy Scheider and Noah Wiley. And it's, again, those things where it's like, here's a family dealing with something and it's yeah. really specific. And I can say, I saw it, but, you know, this movie, if you asked me in two years what it was about, I would say, well, there was there was some infidelity. I probably wouldn't be able to name very many scenes other than maybe the, the you know, the the drug deal gone wrong. Sure. Um, there's there's nothing memorable. And it, it comes back to why I gave it no like on this, because I there's nothing enjoyable. There's nothing redeeming. I don't it, nope. it, it passed my time. And maybe that's what the function of this film is, is like. There's nothing on TV. I'll put something on that I can engage with and I'll be entertained. It'll keep my attention. And at the end, it's it's gone. It's like a soap opera. It's just of the right. moment and it's not meant to endure. 
at all. I would only recommend it for people who are looking for a very real portrayal of what infidelity is like in a couple of different ways in relationships. But who and looks I can't, for that? Exactly. That's my that, point. Right? I can't imagine <laughs> that unless you're dealing with that situation or dealing with right. what could be. But you don't you don't get the fallout from it either. Like in the way that you described the Benihana scene, yeah. you, you don't get the fallout from it because they're still congenial. They're still doing this. So you don't really learn anything from the infidelity there. It's all about feeling the feelings that lead up to it right. and then experiencing the confrontation. That's the that's the per- that's what feels like the purpose of this film, and that makes it very hard to recommend to people. Yes. E- even though, again, yeah. I'm glad it was written. I think it's I think yeah. it's very true to life. And beyond that, I just don't know. That's why it's a no like for me. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's really all we need to say about this one. And we'll <laughs> we'll we'll move on, and and we're gonna stay in the past with our next okay. film, The Souvenir. It's okay. set in the early '80s, and so this is a, like an era 80s. that you and I have some fond memories of. Early yes. 80s, perhaps, or maybe Very good. hazy memories of early childhood. Who knows? Well, we'll, <laughs> well, let's see how well the era of the early 80s is captured, how inherent it is to the story of The Souvenir, which is available to stream on Amazon Prime, Canopy, and Hoopla. Awesome. Thank you for listening to Trailer Rewind. If anything we said here entertained, educated, or even enraged you, we'd like you to tell people about this podcast. Whatever your listening platform is, please share, rate, or write a short review. It helps other podcast listeners find us. If you enjoy connecting with other film fans, you can become a member of our community on Discord. It's free, and there's always an interesting dialogue or debate to jump into. You can also financially support us. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive Discord channels, the opportunity to chat with us live before we record an episode, and the warm feeling you get knowing you are contributing support to the -the behind-the-scenes resources that help everyone here at the Next Real Family of Podcasts. So please join us on Discord or become a Patreon supporter. Either way, we would love to have you be part of our community. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.